Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Look, BetOnline, it's the fastest and the easiest way to place bets on all of your favorite sports action. Look what's right around the corner. A tradition unlike any other. The Masters is here. Baseball is back, baby. So why don't you go to BetOnline.ag because it's got you covered for all your news, scores, and odds. It's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website on your mobile device to BetOnline.ag and sign up today. Receive a 50% off welcome bonus in your first deposit that's right only at bet online your online sportsbook experts ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for coming into the pod today got a great guest here we're with me today he's a sports savant he's a chicagoan he's a diehard south sider it's mr scott sang hello scott hi how are you doing i'm doing fantastic man and here we are at the beginning of a baseball season we're four games in and you know i got the juices flowing in me right i'm already peeved i'm already pissed off at my white Sox four games in just give me your emotions after watching that four game series in, An- in anaheim there's a lot to talk about my emotions are uh, they they start with the thing that i was harping on going into the season which was i was one of the few people that was not loving the the hendrick signing because i thought ironically enough that the bullpen is already one of the strengths they have they have what five six fireballers in the bullpen any of them can be closer right yeah and closer also is the shortest shelf life in terms of your uh, your window for greatness right and Hendricks has had two one half of uh, seasons last year with COVID and the year before where he was great so he doesn't have a large sample size and there's only a couple guys that have done it for a long time that have been great. And those guys are in the hall of fame, Dennis Eckersley, um, Mariano Revere, Trevor Hoffman. Other than that though, you got your Eric Gagne's. So I, yes, Hendricks is great. However, I was like, this is such a strength. I would rather see that money go elsewhere. Then of course we go into these games right away. And the White Sox with the, they, they lose the games because primarily the late inning runs, the eighth inning, the bullpen, the, these arms are getting blown up, even though Kopech and Crochet did their thing. They were great, but they still blew it. So it's it's like one of those things where I'm kind of like uh, right off the bat, I'm like, no, come on. No Jimenez. This is going to be a problem. This is going to be a problem. Yeah, you build a house with a foundation, right? And you're like, this is the sturdiest part of the house. And then like your dumbass friend, like just plows a car right into it, testing that foundation, like right away. That's kind of what it was after those four days. And yeah, I agree with you, man. That, what was that? That 52, 54 million on Hendricks. It is fair to question. Could that money have gone to a Michael Brantley? Could that money have gone to a right fielder? Someone that could have supplanted a a lineup now that all of a sudden I will admit that, you know, my wife, my wife doesn't love baseball, but she'll watch the games with me over the weekend. She did have the comment that, a lot of the White Sox players in the lineup are pretty small. She was like, this lineup is, is very small and very short. And coming into the season, you're like, man, this team's got all this firepower. But, yeah, they do have some some smaller guys in the lineup. Look, it was a brutal series, right? I mean, it was just kind of everything that you didn't want to see right off the bat. Poor defense, as you mentioned. A shaky bullpen right out of the gate. And it does feel, you know, you're four games into a 162-game season. I want to get upset with my team because that makes me feel alive. But we do have to admit, right, that these emotions are something that are going to play themselves out over the next months and months and months of baseball. At at the end of the day, like the separating, um, you know, your head from your heart. um, My heart is is 
just all over the map. Um, but my head still says that throughout the, over the course of a season that they'll be, they'll be right there. Um, you know, prior to the Jimenez injury, I, I was, I mean, I was next to certain, I mean, as you can be that they were going to take that division. Now I think it's a, it's really a 50, 50 bet with, with the twins. But I, I think if you hold strong, we'll see the Sox. I, I, I think at the end of the day, they, they, they will they'll sneak in. Definitely not happy about the start though. And um, yeah. And that's even, we didn't even mention uh, uh, your mean uh, Mercedes and what he did coming <laughs> yeah. out with that. But I mean, what are we going to do? And you got Andrew Vaughn playing the first left field, playing the outfield for the first time. I don't even think he played it in little league. I mean, just right away, he starts off his career in the outfield <laughs> playing half the time. Larusa doesn't like to play rookies. So we don't know if we're going to see him get in rhythm. I mean, it's a long season. So there's so many question marks, but there's so much talent. So uh, the White Sox are, um, they're, they're one of the more interesting teams in the league, no doubt about it. Um, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. And uh, if I were gonna say one thing about when you were going back to this short stature players, Nick Madrigal. <laughs> Anyone who's- Is it a struggle for you right now? So I get, I take, I get an early take on guys in their career and I, and it's really hard for them to, I put an early position on someone and it's very difficult for them to sway my mind throughout the course of their career after that. Like Nick Swisher, he was the guy I hated early on with the White Sox. I just couldn't stand it. I was going to say, yeah, please tell me Mike Caruso was an all-star until the day, to the last day he was in a White Sox uniform. You still thought he was going to turn it around. Uh, actually, I, kind of, I, I did because he hit that home run against the Cubs that secured the sweep early on in the division, you know, yeah. in the play and like the guy who had like no power, whatever. Madrigal is someone that I early on, um, but first of all, he's, he's smaller than I am. And I'm like, that's, I mean, I'm five foot six and one eighth of an inch. So I got Troublesome. an eighth of an inch on him. So I'm like, how is this guy in the pros? The book on him is his IQ amazing IQ, amazing on the base paths, a defensive wizard, right? And, and the contact skills are incredible. The contact skills have been there, but the other stuff I've never, I'm like, I don't think I can recall seeing a guy that was touted so highly for his IQ and his uh, speed, base path, base running and his defense, especially that has been the antithesis of great. He's terrible. He in crunch time down the stretch, the big plays, mental errors, just you saw it in the playoffs last year. I understand it's early. My early take on him is I don't like him. I don't like Nick Madrigal. We took him over Kalenic, who I think is going to be a star in Seattle. Yeah, who we'll see, uh, who we might see tonight uh, in their lineup, uh, in the lineup for Seattle because the White Sox are still on the West Coast. And yeah, with Nick Madrigal, I was, I'm also surprised too because I thought he was going to be this guy who didn't have all of the elite skills, right? But he brought this gritty, instinctual game that was always going to kind of make up for it that extended beyond the box score. And it feels quite the opposite, right? It feels like a little bit, he's a little overwhelmed, right? I mean, even last yeah. year with that head first slide that he hurt himself with, I mean, he just went 120% into the bag trying to prove everybody, you know, how hard he's going to play. And I think he, his game probably suits it more to like staying within himself. And again, like, you know, on that double play turn, our double play turns have looked pretty brutal over the weekend. You'd have to think that this is something. Now, White Sox fans, what I'm saying to White Sox fans is after what we've just seen the last four games, I wouldn't freak out, but I would also temper your expectation that I think the next couple of weeks might be a little bumpy as we iron some of this shit out, right? Where 
The double play turn doesn't look great. Got to catch a foul. Got to catch some fly balls in the outfield. That wouldn't that wouldn't kill us. And then in terms of, as you mentioned, the bullpen, some of these guys have had a couple of rough outings and they've all kind of come together at the exact same time. You kind of want to sort of work that out, but it might take a little bit. This could be kind of a bumpy road for the White Sox the next 10 days. I'm not saying they're going to be a bad team, but you know, you know how this goes in the baseball. They could get off to a little bit of a rough start. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm almost kind of kicking myself because it's like, I, now that it, you know, in hindsight, of course, but now in retrospect, it's like, I should have seen a bumpy start coming. Um, obviously the Jimenez thing, but that aside, Tony La Russa, who is a, was, you know, knew how to manage a bullpen was great with that. Now he hasn't been in the dugout in a, in, in a decade. Now he's been around the game since then he's old, but he's still, I think he's still there mentally, but there's going to be a huge adjustment adjustment still even though he's been around the game and he, he was always an analytics guy before analytics was a thing, but he's this still, these are his first handful of games managing under this, you know, just, it's a different game. So uh, we'll see how that translates to his, uh, just his bullpen decisions. You saw him not challenge magical getting thrown out in the eighth on the steal or in the seventh inning, like when, you know, that was the last, really, I mean, they had another half inning after that. He blamed it on the shot clock, you know, because it's down to 20 seconds now and all this stuff. And, yeah, there's gonna some growing pains, right? Some tinkering yeah. is going to go and, on, yeah. And he's not wrong about the, the shot clock and everything. But, again, right, it's it's a matter of you lose it anyway. So even if you do, aren't, don't, don't think that's enough to be overturned, and I don't think it would have been overturned, but regardless, it was close enough that maybe it is. Even if it's not, you, you lose your challenge. It's it's a half inning then it then it's everything goes so these are things i think la russo will work out but i think in the early going like is we're going to see some some decisions here i mean um obviously like uh he brings in uh last night or hoyer who gives up to uh jared walsh who just absolutely kills righties left uh especially with uh, the fastball well yeah and what he did was football. yeah what he did was he got Foster and Hendricks up at the same time. Yeah. And then he tried to dupe the Angels into thinking that Hendricks was coming in. But then, yeah, he went with Foster. And the whole game, all they're talking about is how Walsh hits fastballs. And that was kind of the only thing Foster was getting over the plate. It's one of those decisions that you can easily second guess, right? But these are these little tinkering moves that he's going to be kind of working through a little bit. Right. I, I personally want to give him a little bit of time to see if he can work it out. But right now, this yeah. was pretty frustrating for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, expect bumps in the road early on. Um, we're already seeing it. I think the, the things will, will work themselves out. Well, they'll, they'll be in the mix, but um, hopefully they just – the only concern really for me right now ultimately is that how long is it going to be? I don't want them to see themselves – dig themselves too big of a hole. You know, the Twins – you know, what the Twins are 2-1. and one, um, They're up – Six nothing last I checked as of an hour ago against the Tigers. It's, uh, you know, we just hopefully the hole isn't get too big. And really just the hope is that they can somehow they, they can just get into the playoffs, stay above water. Jimenez be, will be able to be back by, you know, at some point by the, the, the postseason and we like, whatever, we'll, we'll figure, they'll have to figure it out. Um, it's going to be a close one. I think that'd be a great- I, the under on those, that win total, would be a good bet. Well, yeah. So like, let me ask you this, um, you know, beginning of the season, you know, Sox to win the division was minus 100. Yeah. Now after the Eloya injury, it went to plus 125. Just in your mental head, 
I'm not talking about war, but just what you were walking into the season with. How many wins did the Alloy injury probably cost you in your mind where you had a mental number of how many games you think the Sox were going to win this year? And then after that injury, what did you kind of calibrate that number to in your mind? Honestly, I tempered it about by a, a, about five wins. I did six. I said I, I brought it. I, I was thinking, God, this team can win like 97. And yeah. then with the Alloy thing, I think we're underestimating what 90 runs batted in from him is probably going to do to this lineup. I, I probably brought it down to maybe more like a 90, 91. I'm with you. I mean, there, yeah, there's, there's so much to it. It's not even just what he produces, which, you know, uh, you would expect to be great. It's just his presence, you know, pitching around him or now you got to think about, you know, the next, it just, it, it obviously when you lose a player of that, that caliber expected caliber, it affects everything down the line. We'll see it, you know, you you could also make the argument that that makes him better defensively because the guy should have never ever they shouldn't have even allowed him to have a glove. I mean, when you sign like you're not allowed to own a, a baseball glove, you are never playing the field. You're nowhere near pro, you know, MLB caliber, whatever. But you're putting Andrew Vaughn out there, so it's like, I, I mean, Angle Angle can play the field, but of course he's hurt, and you don't want him as an everyday guy, so. Uh, the back I mean, they're gonna lot. have to be they're gonna have to buy somebody right they're gonna have to buy somebody and it probably won't be the end of july they'll probably have to go out there in june and probably have to maybe flip a prospect to probably bring someone in i will say though can you imagine the emotional roller coaster that the socks like program editor was going through where he was like they gave him the job and they're like hey man look you're covering all the bloopers this year we need you to collect all the bloopers and put it in a package and he was like oh i'm fine i got a lawyer I'm set. No big deal. And then he goes down with an injury and he's like, my season screwed. And then through these first four games, we got Larice Roberts of foul balls going off of oh. yeah, fly balls off his head. Eaton Stratman one magicals throwing oh. the ball all over the place. I mean, the dude's loaded up on bloopers again. He's back in the game. Blooper guy's uh, good again. Bloopers a plenty. There's, <laughs> I think that's going to, that that's probably a consistent theme. I mean, Adam Eaton, is generally pretty solid out there, really. I mean, he is. Um, that moment, that that play was ugly um, in the second game of the year, where he, it's like, like what the ghost of Jimenez is like incarnate, and then you get Robert like a ball off of his head I, coming in. I mean, I can't. I don't have any problems with Robert in the field. Like that was just a fluke. it's just fluke. Yeah, just get it out of the way, right? Get all get all the kinks out of the way. Yeah. I mean, of course, it's it scored or cost him a run. There was two outs and a man on first. I mean, and the guy scores on it, and then the ball hits the rubber. So it's almost like it's a comedy of of errors, literally and, and figuratively, at the same time. Um, they're gonna be they're gonna have some struggles, and that that the, the it's there's I just don't know what's gonna happen out there between you know him and as even when he's playing, which will be way later, sucks in the outfield, and then you got Andrew Vaughn, who come on, I mean. What's he going to do? And then, uh, but then again, he's, how often is he going to be out there too? Because what's going to go on, you know, Larissa doesn't love to play the rookies and Mercedes is as bad as is, is, is major league caliber for sure. Uh, but he can't play the field. So you're going to have him at DH. So it's going to, with Vaughn going to be out there angle. So off, defensively angle will be good out. He's great, but there's going to be a lot of moving parts. We'll see how they, they work together. Um, not, not, not the best start. Now, Tim Anderson, hopefully is, oh God, he got, you know, he had pulled up lame. So in your opinion, 
Um, yeah, Tim Anderson out for day to day with a strained hamstring, as you mentioned. You would think it's so early in the season they're probably going to sit him for a couple of days just to, as a precaution, make sure that he's good to go. In your opinion, for this season, for this 2021 season, who's more important to the lineup for you, Jose Abreu or Tim Anderson? It's really close. I mean, it's really close. I, I'd say I, I lean towards Abreu. He's just such a, a rock. He he's one of those rare like superstar hitters that will understands his role. He is the RBI producer, right? So he's going to swing at pitches that because he can get them that are outside the zone. Like he actually will shorten a swing, two strikes. He's not messing around. Like he's going to put the bat to the ball. He's going to get you those hits, even when they're trying to not, you know, give him anything to hit. He still finds ways to do it. He's that rock. Uh, Tim Anderson's a table setter, but I feel like for a, for a couple of weeks, you can, you know, you can get, you know, you can mess around with maybe, you know, you, the Eatons, the angles, the Adams, <laughs> your little guy, right? Your Adam Eatons, your angles, even, even though I, you know, even like the Leroy Garcia, like the utility. And I mean, more so than what Obreu brings us. Now, if Jimenez was there, I would probably say Anderson, but you take away Jimenez mm, and Obreu, you know, I, I feel like Obreu ultimately, um, you know, we're just really talking about it, the offensive side. Brady's actually got an underrated glove, to be honest. He really does. Yeah, he's gotten a lot better. I I, I actually thought he was going to be kind of a problem over there. People keep trying to push him into the DH spot, and he kind of keeps saying to himself, no, 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 I'm pretty good with the glove over there. He, I he can is. pick it. Yeah. He's actually – I actually think he's he's above average. I mean, defensively. I Last year, he was really good. So he, even his glove is all right. Now, first base is not, obviously, the most important fielding position, but – um I think, yeah, Obreu would be a bigger loss. Also, Andrew Vaughn just got his feet wet, hadn't played above double A, and um, starts off 0 for 6. I don't know what's how it's going to be tough to see him to get off the snide under a La Russa managed team just because those, those guys, like those rookies, need those consistent at bats to, to get into that rhythm. And I don't, if, you know, La Russa is his MO. Is, is he going to give him enough of that consistent playing time? He's already to what played two of the four games only. So if he's doing an every other day thing, he might not be able to get in rhythm. It just might slow, slow down, you know, the point when he otherwise would have been breaking. Yeah, it's a great point. I think it's a really fragile position that they're putting Andrew Vaughn in, which I don't think is necessarily very fair for him because you're right. They have so many expectations to win this year. They didn't go out and they didn't buy a corner outfielder. In terms of acquisition, in my opinion, relief pitchers, mid-rotation starters, and corner outfielders are the easiest uh, commodities you can get on the open market for pretty much you know low-level type prospects. So I think the White Sox are going to be in that game. And as you mentioned, if Andrew Vaughn hits, what, 182 this month, what do they do with them? Are they going to have the patience to stay with him and keep giving him those at-bats? Hey, man, we trust you. Keep grinding. Keep doing this. It's a long season. Or are they going to be like, hey, man, we're going to take the, take the heat off of you a little bit, maybe take some at-bats away, maybe even send you down to the minor leagues, you know, because we have these other pieces or this other guy that we're going to bring in. I just found it really interesting that they really bought in hard on him. Vaughn in the spring really built him up when I felt like they almost should have made it more like a surprise. You know what I mean? Like, hey, Andrew Vaughn's actually hitting, instead of like being like, Andrew Vaughn's going to lock down you know, and cover these, you know, these RBIs we're trying to pick up with uh, Eloy out. Yeah, that's a good point. You know what? The, they took away the element of surprise because they didn't go out and get anyone. You looked at it and you said there is Andrew Vaughn is the 
is the designated now this pre Jimenez injury. But so before that, um, which happened at the very end of spring, Andrew Vaughn is like, there, this is, he's the, he's going to be the DH he's they're going with him. Um, you know, he'll spell brave at first, but he's going to be your primary DH. He, they, he was looked at differently. Um, you know, like, you know, the, uh, prognosticators that the, you know, the, the, the insiders, the, the book on him was for a rookie. He is a very polished, very polished hitter. He's got good plate discipline. Um, he'll take walks. He's got good, really good power. He's got about a, you know, a 280, 280, 300 bat, like right off the bat, like, and like his ceiling might not be the highest, but his floor, what it, they, you know, was considerably higher than what you would normally pencil in for really any type of rookie. The fact that they took him with the third pick of the draft in what was it? Eight, 2000, I want to say 18, right. A right-handed first baseman is something that's actually pretty rare. And they did it because of those hit tools that you're talking about. Right-handed first baseman that, that it was the first time in, in like what a, a decade and a half yeah, a while for sure in the top five, I think that was a right-handed first baseman. And um, with basically with just a, a subpar glove, even at first. So he was just all bad. So they were real high on him. Um, I have yet to come across anyone who doesn't think that he's going to be a long time, good, solid major league hitter for whatever reasons. I, I just, I, I think of like a Paul Canerco type of comp with him in terms of like the type of player we're seeing here. Okay. Glove, nothing good there. First base plotting right-handed hairless power. not a hair on his body shaved yeah. hey, <laughs> shaved gonna, to the max <laughs> he's not gonna be like he's not gonna be hitting like 320 but you know he's gonna pop he's gonna pop 30 some odd homers he's gonna you know he's gonna he's gonna uh he's gonna have he's gonna have good contact skills to the point where good enough with, with enough pop in there um god willing i mean a paul canerco career would be phenomenal i mean he's on that level you know at one level below hall of fame yeah, yeah. Well, it's a long list, but he's in there. I was also say as a as a it's a nasty comparison, but you know, I'm watching a game again with my wife. She doesn't know these White Sox players, so she's like, Tim Anderson, good looking guy. She's like, Yo Makata, <laughs> good looking guy. We get to Andrew Vaughn, and he's like the Marla Hooch of the team. She's just like, Jesus Christ, what is with this guy here? So he's got that going. He's got that hard nosed baseball face going too, as well, yeah. which is uh which is uh I think promising. Part of it could be that he's blonde, and I feel like women it's not it's you know guys love blondes and i feel like it's kind of like the other way with women they're like blonde you got to be real special to be like to stand out as a blonde haired man yeah and what kind of blonde are we going to talk about as the summer goes on too as well are we going like are are we going complete bleached here um and yeah i just hope that in terms of andrew vaughn i think i'm a big fan of him i actually kind of wanted to see him last year during the shortened season i thought he could have come up me and too. provided some at-bats too as well when Mazzara, you know what I mean, couldn't even hit his weight, you know, I, so I was I was on that boat. But now I hope that we really do actually give him a fair chance and have that type of patience too. I think, as you mentioned, with that hit skill by June and July, I think we could start really seeing the Andrew Vaughn that we're all expecting to see. And if yeah. the dude hits 180 in the first month, White Sox fans, I say just don't bury the dude. And let's sort of play this out a little bit. I do want to pivot over. We got to talk about Mr. Mercedes. You mentioned him briefly, man, but let's give him a little time. I mean, 
At like, what just, point? Just, at what yeah. point did you start going like? Did you start counting? At about three for three, I was like, I was like, holy shit, man! This guy's three oh, for game three. one. Yeah, he started yeah. when he was three for three. Yeah, and it got um, up to eight. In terms of the counting of 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 the the you know starting off the season that way with the hits, um, not until after his his first at bat of game two. Okay. And he was six first. That's when I was like, okay, six for six. The five for five, the first game was like amazing. Wow. But I wasn't thinking like, uh, let's see if he ever gets out. And then when he did that now, because I was aware going in, I just happened to know this, that the the major league record for consecutive at bats, which is different than plate appearances. So obviously like sacrifices, hit by pitch, walks, things like that. But most consecutive at bats, which is basically just whether you're registering an out or a hit and nothing in between it's 10 in a row 10 consecutive at bats where you're registering either you know a, a hit or an out is the major league record at any point for anyone incredible straight so i i was curious once he start, got to like the sixth level i'm like i wonder what the the rook the record is to like start off the season and then you know they they got right into it anyway so he broke that well, the modern day record, really, right? Eight, eight was uh, most since 1900 to start off a year. And this was this, not his first at bat. He's, he had one at bat in his career going in. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. We should, we, should, we should honestly, we should just go back and we should just erase it from the record books, right? We should just get it out there because it's a little bit of a cleaner. It's a tighter story. It crossed though. my mind. Like, oh, if only they didn't give him that one at bat. Like, they should have just kept him on the bench for the one game that he was up there for or whatever it was last year. Oh, well. But he's uh, he can hit. He can hit. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's just got that, he's got that, that softball body. And he's just, he's just like, a, you know, he was born to play baseball. He's 28 years old. This is all he's, you know, been doing. Thought about quitting a couple of times. wasn't going to make it to that level. Didn't have a position. Now he's getting the opportunity. Going back to with, with the Vaughn thing, like this throws a whole wrench in whatever blues uh, and whatever we were thinking and they were thinking before, now they got to reconsider what are we going to do here? Cause you'd like to get Vaughn those consistent at bats. Can you do it now? Are you going to do it now with knowing that with his glove, not ever playing in the outfield before. And you got this Mercedes guy who you definitely can't put in the field to plug up the DH. My concern about Vaughn is getting the consistent at bats. I think it, 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 it and then Larusa not loving to play the rookies. He, I don't know if he's going to get that opportunity where he might not start hitting until months later than he maybe otherwise would have if he's intermittently playing. So we can hope that he gets the, the, the consistent playing time, just, just stay the course. But we have no idea if Larusa ever had those intentions. And even if he does, did, that, th- those intentions may be out the window now that you're seeing Mercedes. We just, it's just a gigantic unknown. And that's the thing. Let's be wild and crazy and stupid and reckless, right? Like, this guy, Mercedes, 28 years old, on the telecast last night, A-Rod's talking about how David Ortiz didn't figure out his career right. until he was 30, which was, uh, that's honestly really true. He wasn't a great hitter in Minnesota, went to Boston, turned into something else. The Leafs by the Twins, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, four games in, the guy's a 300 career minor league hitter. The guy clearly knows how to hit. I think his frame has probably squeezed him out of getting a real look at the major league level because there is nowhere to put him. I don't think you put him behind the plate, right? I don't I don't think you can do that right at all. But is it I've never seen him, but he's supposedly horrible behind but, the plate. But yeah, is it possible that this could maybe and look, 
again, wild, crazy, stupid, reckless. Could this have staying power a little bit with this Mercedes guy? Because he doesn't look like a guy who swings out of his shoes. He kind of looks like he knows what he's doing up there. Yeah, no, he definitely does. He looks professional hitter. I mean, that's just like what he does. Like if you were to say, what do you do for a living? It's not major league baseball player. Well, it wasn't until (laughs) just now it's I'm a professional hitter of baseballs. That's, that's what my job is. And so um, I think he could be good. Uh, I think he could be pretty good there. I think he can be a plus. I mean, he's not going to be, you know, Jimenez, but I think he can do a good job of, uh, you know, filling in the, you know, the, the gaps there or the, the time biding the time. We're also talking about four games. I know. I know. That's right. <laughs> and so here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking Rhodes, you know, who goes three over the first game. He's, I was getting all of his baseball cards and Jerome Walton, who was like 35 <laughs> games. Like back in, I'm trading like Roger Clemens in 1985 tops for upper yeah. deck, you know. This yeah. is what we do, Scott. You know, yeah. 10 years from now, when Mercedes is going into the Hall of Fame. Me, you and the family, we'll get a nice little weekend together. All right. We'll get a hotel. We'll go to, we'll go to Canton or we'll go to the baseball hall of fame. We'll have a great weekend there. Okay. And we'll just have a good time as we, and then when we retire your Mercedes number, we'll all go, it'll make a day of it. And it'll be it'll be really, it'll be really a nice time. I understand the sentiment and obviously we're having fun with it, but it's really cool to see a guy work his ass off in the minors for years, actually produce in the minors for years get an opportunity. And now obviously he's in the national headlines for doing something that you've said hasn't been done in what 120 years. It's a pretty cool story. Nonetheless. Oh, it's an amazing story. And supposedly um, he's like a, he's a great guy in terms of like, he's just a lot of fun. Oh yeah. He's, he's got the, so he's got the, all the demonstrative. He's always after every single, he's doing something. Yeah. For sure. Check out his Instagram. And play, like he's, he's a, he's a character. So um, it's very cool. It's a very cool story. Um, we'll see what ends up happening. I think it's a good thing. Um, it, 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 it ironically could end up de- deterring or sidetracking, um, Vaughn's start to his career, <laughs> but to us, I mean, at the end of the day, really, we just want the results, whoever's doing it. So yeah, I'm excited to see it. Nonetheless, I, I really, it's hard to get, to give, like, to take out a strong position to say this is going to happen. But, um, I do feel that he is, he's a good enough hitter. I hope so too. And look, and even if this is his 15 minutes of fame, it is just a cool story, right? With, you know, you got a team that has Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, Luis Robert, you know, Lucas Giolito, so many people and faces and, and stars on this team that you could talk about. And for him to steal those highlights away for having such the kind of weekend that he just had, I, I think is really special. And I think White Sox fans clearly are going to be rooting for the guy moving forward. And we'll see if he can keep it going as we move forward. Let's take a quick break to talk about our brand new sponsor, Canon Sunglasses. Now, my sunglass history, it's a little checkered. I like to live a funky, fresh lifestyle, but I'm always breaking my sunglasses or I'm buying that $10 cheap pair and then losing them automatically. Well, no more, I say. It is time to make your outdoor experience better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make your lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to to scratch and let me tell you these canon sunglasses they are absolutely perfect for the golf course so use the exclusive code canoncast15 at canon.com to receive 15 percent off your first pair that's right canoncast15 k-a-e-n-o-n-c-a-s-t-1-5 canon clearly better now back to the pod I want to play a quick fun game with you right now. We're going to do a little over-unders here. This was the preseason over-unders on some Chicago White Sox players. 
and I'm going to give some numbers out to you. And I want you to tell me right now, you could still get these numbers on betonline.ag and look, they're either like plus 110, minus 110 on the over under, whichever way you go. But I just want to see maybe where you're leaning this year with this White Sox team. So here's what we're going to start with. I'm going to start with the starting rotation. They got Dallas Keuchel at 10.5 wins over under. Lance Lynn, 12.5 wins over under. Giolito, 12.5 wins over under. Which one do you think maybe is the best value? Which one would you maybe stay with, stay away from? Which one is maybe, I don't know, a slap in the face? I think the best value is Keuchel. And that's only because his of the three, he's got the lowest total to hit. I, I do like him at, on the over. 10 now i mean of course you can question his his you know dl stints things like that with his back and whatnot assuming that he's not gonna miss too much time um and hopefully none at all um i do like him the most as the best value based on the the the, the win count but to, frankly i like i i like all i if i were to place a bet on those three things i would go over on i think all of them right yeah i, I yes even though it's, it, you know, it, it's just because I can't, I, I would be happy with a two out of three on that. Meaning I would go over thinking, I feel confident that two of those three are going to hit with a, you know, a decent shot of all three. They'll go to that bullpen a little bit earlier than others because of what they got there. Um, especially with a guy like Kopech who we're going to stretch out and allow multiple inning appearances. Um, I think he'll be in the rotation at some point, by the way. I hope so. He I'll looked hope. awesome. He looked awesome. I can't wait. I hopefully by July, if we can get 60 to 80 innings out of Carlos Rodon, come what may, whatever those innings look like, that point, bring Kopech in there, and then you can still keep him at that 120-inning limit, and he can go out there and do his stuff. Man, he looked awesome the other awesome. day. Awesome. Uh, awesome. He totally did. And um, I was really happy to see that. But, uh, you know, not to, to sway because we can get back into that, but on those those over-unders, I like, I like all three, and I would expect a return. If you were to bet all three, I would expect it two of the three and, and try to get the net net win there. Um, you know, kind of like as a collaborative bet there, you know, when you're, when you're betting on your favorite team, right. You're always going to be inclined to, to swing towards the over on probably anything, but I don't think these numbers are really like in that, that Vegas zone that, you know, is going to make you blush really. And it's funny because also on betonline.ag, I think Lucas Giolito has the third best odds to win the Cy Young. So if you're saying that he's the third best odds to win the Cy Young, but his over-under is only at 12.5. If you want to take a value bet on that Cy Young, which yeah. I think he was like, I think he's like 10 or 11 to one. If you want to play that value bet, you got to back it up with that 12.5, right? Because there's no other way that he would even be close to that top five category unless he gets to that 14, 15 win category. So I like all these numbers too, as well. And yeah, in terms of the Keiko, Keiko's the guy that can go 11 and 12, right? You know what I mean? He, every game he's getting a decision type thing. So I, I think I'm with you on this. Of course, in, in Lynn, we didn't even really touch on. He's a horse. A lot he, of innings. Tons a lot of, of innings, a lot of decisions, for sure. He led the majors in innings last year. He just goes out there and he gives you quality innings. Um, so that's, and again, and that's like probably the between the, the offenses, you know, the lineup's capability of scoring runs and how deep do these pitchers go into ball games? That's what you're looking for, that kind of combo for wins. And Lynn checks both the boxes there, as in he gives you the innings. And the lineup, well, it's can't you know should should be scoring a, a, a lot of runs. I feel like they're gonna they're they're kind of like gonna be a feast or famine lineup, but you only need them to you know feast uh, 
half the time really to, you know, to, you know, he'll win those games. If the White Sox are putting up six, seven runs and Lynn is on the mound, I mean, there's an excellent chance he's got, he's getting the win that day. Yeah. Especially so, at, at 12.5 as well. I want to throw another one at you. This yeah. one I found to be fairly interesting. It's an over under batting average over under Tim Anderson, 288 batting average or Yoan Makata over under 254 batting average. Which one do you think is the best bet? Maybe the best value? Because it, that one, that one's interesting for me, right? Where both of them feel like an easy over. But my question is, which do you think is probably the best value? In terms of the value, I, I, I can I be non? I can't even come. I mean, hey, dude, if it's a stay away, this is what we're here to suss out, my friend. You know what I mean? Like, if this is, I wouldn't do either or. I mean, this is what this is what we're trying to tell the good people to do, so they're not running to the window making something for nothing. Okay, you know? so I'll break it down like this. I think that a little bit more likely, I, I, I that that Anderson is uh, above two eighty eight than Mancada at two fifty four. Now that's a huge spread, though. Between you know, you're getting thirty some, you know, thirty what thirty four more points to work with for Mancada. So that's like usually you, I would lean there towards value, but. I just, you know, with, with, with Mancata, ever since he started the season with COVID last year, he just, he hasn't been able to put, you know, he's been, he can't hit the ball. I mean, it's not the same guy. Hit, yeah, he's not, just not, the, yeah, not the same guy. Striking out a ton. And then like, you know, I could see him, he's, the longer that this continues like this, he can start pressing some more. Um, I'm already kind of, you know, getting worried about that. Um, he, what did he hit last year? Two. 20 something. I mean, last year was crazy yeah, it went big. from 315 to I think like 229. And I think that's where you get the 254 split kind of thing. Right? Sure. So I, yeah. I think that actually that number is, is, is like, I think Vegas is really, I think they're, they're right there with that number. I think, I mean, Vegas is great. Amazing with, with how they, they do what they do. I got a bit of a prediction actually just, and this is a four game. This is again, we're talking fresh four game prediction here. I don't know how long we're going to be able to have Yohan Mankata as our cleanup hitter. And yeah. I think the biggest problem with Aloy being out of the lineup wasn't necessarily how we were going to replace him, but how are we going to construct our three, four, five combination? And I threw it out actually on this pod in the White Sox season preview of now, look, it's, it's a tough call, right? But and granted, he's not healthy right now and he's probably not playing tonight, but I, I actually predicted that eventually at some point, I think we were going to see a top of the lineup that might involve, you know, a mixture of the Adam angle, Adam Eaton, but you Makata in the second spot. And I'm actually starting to think, you know, why isn't Tim Anderson? Could Tim Anderson be our number three hitter? And could Jose Abreu hit right behind him? You're taking from a strength, right? I totally get it. The strength is him at the top of the order sparking us. But it's sort of getting to the point where Tim Anderson is so talented. And he is such, I feel like, at a place in his career where he can handle it. I'm just kind of curious whether we're going to see kind of a mixture of what we're going to see in that three, four, five. I feel fairly confident that Abreu and Grandal are going to be in that mix one way or the other, maybe Robert at some point. But, I mean, what say you on that? I mean, would you like seeing maybe Tim Anderson in the middle of the order? Do you think him at the top is you got to keep that strength right where it is, and that's where he deserves to stay? I actually I'm, – I'm right with you in terms of I – you know, it's been a great thing that's been working for him at the top. However, and I'm not the manager of the ball club, but I would feel comfortable moving him down to, like, that three spot because Tim Anderson is – is it he definitely is not your traditional table setter at all because the man does not walk Correct. right 
his bad, bad, you know, uh, batted balls in play have been crazy. Now it's been sustained for like for well, last year was an abbreviated season, but it's been sustained now for two two calendar years. Um, and he's gotten to the point where he's uh, he can hit. He went took some of those weaknesses and made him a strength. So he's able to hit any type of pitch. He's gotten really good at hitting breaking pitches. Um, he definitely can hit fastballs and he finds the holes, right? That's what he does. He doesn't have a, a high exit below. He doesn't hit the ball very hard necessarily, um, but he can pop it uh, and he finds those holes. And so I like his ability to find, to find the holes with, you know, put the ball somewhere the defenders aren't. And I like that more so when there's guys on base. And so it's, and he's not, and he doesn't walk. I just like his bat. I just feel like it's better to have a guy who, who's going to put the ball in play and put it in good spots is like, I want that guy up when there's runners on base. And conversely, I want to see guys on base when Abreu is smoking a single, you know what I mean? Into left field as well. You know what I mean? And I think that put rail right behind him for in the cleanup. I would go Anderson three, Abreu four. And um, Tony LaRusso, it's so interesting because he's definitely a guy who is definitely throughout his career has not been afraid to do the things that he see, you know, to do stuff that's, um, I wouldn't be like more of like a pioneer, right? He's not the type of guy that, that he, I mean, he's in the hall of fame already. He's won world series. He's Tony LaRusso. He's not going to be, he's the type of guy who would do something like that and not worry about the outside noise. So really it just comes down to, does Tony agree <laughs> and does he see it? And if he does, then he'll do it. Um, I, I'd like to see it. I'd be willing to make that 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 uh, change, especially now that you know, without Jimenez, like you know what, you, now you can have that justification to do to try to mix some things up there. And then the question becomes: If you do that, who do you like at the top of the lineup, and who would you? Who would you put it as your table setter if you're putting Anderson three or Brave? Yeah, that would be those days where I think you'd probably be looking at an Adam Eaton guy who maybe doesn't walk a ton, but at least, you know, can kind of foul some pitches off and kind of walk out of a first plate appearance if he doesn't get on base with seven or eight pitches under the belt. And I like Yo Moncada in that two hole, man. I like him as a switch hitter, a guy that can, you know, maybe see some fastballs early on in the count, yeah. a guy that can maybe take it yard or he can at least he can coax a walk, I think, a little bit better than maybe a guy like Eaton or a guy like Tim Anderson. I don't think he's a pressure guy, so I like him sort of at the top. And I'm not saying this is going to happen or we should be doing this right away, but I am I would just say to White Sox fans, don't be surprised that maybe like by June 1, they maybe start tinkering a little bit with what what kind of ceiling can Tim Anderson, you know, let's find out what that ceiling is. You know, him at leadoff, it kind of puts him in a certain a certain box, a certain role on the team. I'm just starting to think that the dude is capable of middle of the order stuff. And that, and that's just kind of how I feel. I would love to see us maybe try and do it. I don't know if we're going to see it very soon, but I think it could be something that could be really beneficial for our offense with Aloy out. As we keep mentioning, how do we fill in that gap of a guy who is so dangerous and truly a luxury for the lineup? We talk about all these guys in our lineup all the time. And we just sort of leave Aloy alone. Cause we're just like up oh, 30 home runs, 90 runs batted in. Uh, you know, bloopers in left field, but whatever. And now yeah. that we don't have them, now we're like, we're a little bit of like, oh shit, you know, how do we make up for that? So yeah, I agree. I, I think Moncada in the two spot is 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 uh, where I'd like to see him uh, because I think the less pressure um, at that spot, he doesn't, you know, he's not, he's just really not. His bat speed might not be there. He just, he's just not. 
he's still not there yet. I mean, we still haven't seen it since 2019. I, I to put him in the in the middle of the lineup there, um, just to, you know, I just I just too long sustain it too long, or it's just like coming up empty, leaving runners on base. I mean, what did we do the other day? And he was, I mean, he struck out five times. Then they go, was it last game? They went, yeah, over. They went. 0 for, 0 for 11 or 12 or something like that with runners 18. in scoring position and eight over 19 with runners on base. Is that what it is? Yeah. Not a hit, not a single hit with a runner on base even. Um, yet they still scored, uh, for, uh like four, four runs, four under. That's not good. Scott <laughs> breaking, breaking news, hot take, baby fresh out of the oven. That's not good. I, I just don't like Moncada there. He definitely has the, the he had, I don't question his skill set. He has the ability. I just don't think it just, it, it's not there right now. Baseball is a long season and it's a game of, uh, um, it's very streaky. Guys just get into funks or they're just hitting everything. And right now we're in a sustained slump with Moncada where he's just not putting good wood on the ball, even when he's making contact. He doesn't have that same, you know, just that put that charge into the ball as he was doing when he was really rolling in 2019. Um, he just, it just doesn't. So we, a lot of weak contact and a lot of strikes, strikeouts, just, just pressing, chasing pitches, frustrating stuff, maybe put them in a different spot, less pressure. Uh, yeah. The swing and the swing and miss has been a little tough and yeah, the cleanup spot is just for professionals. And I'm not saying that Yohan Makata is unprofessional, but sometimes it just takes someone with a little bit of a sturdier, you know, a little bit sturdier base in terms of their professional career to be able to produce. I don't know if Yasmani Grandal is that guy, but he's kind of close to that guy a little bit. So I'm not, I'm not really sure exactly what to do with that. Scott, I do want to get you out of here. We do got to talk about one more thing before yeah. we go real quick. The Masters, baby. Uh, as I mentioned before, uh, a tradition unlike any other coming at the end of this week. It's honestly, it's my favorite golf tournament. I think it's a lot of people's favorite golf tournament. Just uh, give us your thoughts on uh, your excitement level, who you like, who you don't like. And uh, maybe we could start with Jordan Spieth. I don't know, because he seems to be the hot name coming into the week. Sure, sure. So the, the Masters is, is the best. Love the Masters. And um, it's great because one of the uh, benefits of the pandemic or one of the uh, way, nice things about the way it worked out is we just had, it feels like we just had the Masters. We did. <laughs> we did. Yeah. And now here we are again. So Jordan speed. It's wild. I did a, uh, just probably like most people uh, on him. I did a 180 in the last couple of weeks. He had a couple of years where he was nothing. I mean, couldn't keep, couldn't get the driver straight. His putting wasn't there. He just was a mess. He was missing cuts. He wasn't even close to contention, but you always knew the talent was there. And then it, it turned on, it just started, you know, early on this year, finally. And if even then I was just like, okay, a couple weeks, I need to see it longer. And he's sustained it. And then he wins this week. Um, he's, I think he's, I mean, he's back at the right time. He's back. Uh, Ready so, to challenge the demons of Augusta, though? Is that that's the big question, right? Is that course still you think mind fucking him? Or I mean, we're four years removed now. Can you think maybe that's being a little bit overplayed? I think that's being very overplayed. Remember, this is a guy who, like it, what twenty years old was came in second right yeah. off the bat. He's won the Masters and he's finished second 
I believe twice now he's in another top five finish as well. Obviously he had that, what was it on the 12th hole um, when he was leading by five strokes and then like, Oh, just put him in the water. <laughs> two holes later, he's now he's down a couple was, and it was done. I've been there in my real life. I can empathize. I've, I've done it. I've done it. <laughs> I, I don't think I, I'm not, I don't have concerns there um, with a guy like Jordan speed. I think that my concerns with him had only been physical um, just where his game is at. I, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't question his head. I think mentally he, he's strong enough, like where I don't think that's going to be an issue. Um, so I think he's in the right place. Of course, like it's also not very fun for me to be like Jordan speed because everybody it's the Masters. He's finally playing great. Jordan Speed. His numbers went from in, in February. His odds were, I think, like fifty-five to one, and now they're like twelve to one. <laughs> so I cannot endorse that as a as a good value. No, bet. that's that's chum in the water, right? And 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 let me further up. Let me further up on this with you, where it's an interesting year, right? Where. A lot of the big names, I think, might be fool's gold, right? Where, you know, Bruce Kepka right now is going to, what, try and play nine holes every day and then compete in the Masters. A lot of people know that name. I wouldn't be putting my money on that ticket. You know what I'm saying? No, no, um, your odds are not going to – you're not going to get good enough odds. His odds she, the, with the injury, he should be in – he should be in the – probably in the, the 30s. I mean, if he finishes the wait. round, I yeah, I, I would say a good, good, for, good for you – um, you know, I think uh, Dustin Johnson, player. Dustin Johnson's another guy that I think a lot of people are going to put some money on. My question for you is, do you think he is a guy that is capable of, of repeating? You know what I mean? It, do you think yeah. his game is, you think his game's at that play, place where if someone well, went to the window with him, do you, do you think that's a bet that you would like? I, I don't love the bet because mm -hmm. I just, because his odds are, it's just, it, it's not a sweet enough payout. I mean, one only, we're just talking about a winner here. One guy wins. And so for me to put a money in a field of that's about what a hundred guys to put it on one guy who's given me like nine to one, 10 to one. Um, I did love him last year, but he was, he was, he was, and he won. I had, he was, I was all over him, but and he was probably around the same odds as he is this year, but he's playing much better at this point in time. But in terms of, do I think he's uh, has the ability to repeat? Yeah. Cause he's fucking Dustin Johnson. I mean, right. this is a guy who can overwhelm Less course, tearing it up, yeah. Any course, and like just lap the field. It's the, the same type of thing as like a Bryson DeChambeau um, being that wild card, where like his distance just is just a game changer in that. Like he's going to be putting balls in places that no one's ever seen off the tee that you can't even comprehend, you can't even visualize. You know, he's going to have sixty yards, maybe on a, you know some of the par fives on his second shot when everyone's like, you know, 140, you know, from the all. So, and his wedges are uh, underrated, actually. I think uh, he gets a knock for not being a great wedge player. And he's not great, but he's, he's, he's actually, he's gotten pretty decent there. So, um, but of course you're not going to get great odds with the Shambo either because he's a sexy name, sexy bet too. So I, I like, I, I like Justin Thomas overall. Oh, interesting. I know he just came off of a win but he's always, he's always good in the masters. He's, I, I think, the I think the time is there. I think he could do it. I think he could win another event here in, in a row. 
Um, his odds are, what are his odds? I don't have it in front of me. Um, I'm pulling up, I'm pulling them up right now. I'm trying to look because there's guys, you know, there's, there's another guy like John Rahm too, as well. It's probably a sexy name. That's probably going to have a value that people might hop in on. And yeah, he had a baby. I think it was, he impregnated her probably, but he, uh, (laughs) that's assumed. Uh, it'll be a month to the day on Sunday. So he had a kid on Sunday. So do you, you know, how much do you want to factor that in? that you could you could argue that either way right i just ignore it like to me that i don't buy into that i'm not superstitious like that like oh he had a kid he's gonna play great or he had a kid his mind is you know all over the place no good yeah so uh, here i'm gonna read you i'm just gonna read you off a couple guys we've talked about a little bit and give out some odds dustin johnson is the odds on favor he's nine to one to win speed hopped all the way up to ten to one after you said 55 to one i think that's probably a major stay away right your boy yeah. justin thomas is ten to one Bryson DeChambeau, 11 to 1, John Rahm, 12 to 1. And then you got like the, the McElroys of the world, 14 to 1. Kepka, 25 to 1. And I just said, I hope he finishes the round. And then, you know, you've got the guy everyone loves to hate, Patrick Reed, 28 to 1, Lee Westwood, 30 to 1. Tony Finau always seems to place fairly well at 33 to 1. Webb Simpson, 35 to 1. I mean, and then we're getting into, you know, Jason Day, 45 to 1, Bubba Watson, 50 to 1, Adam Scott, 66 to 1. Justin Rose, 70 to one on and on and on. But like typically with the masters, right. Even if you're not in love with one golfer, if you really want a good payout, right. You got to probably look 20 to one and up, right. That 25 to one. Cause the field is so big as you'd mentioned. If you want that kind of payout, you probably want to target someone maybe in that particular area. Correct. Yes, you do with the masters. It's, it's enticing always because you're going to get to take somebody that's in some of those, those big payout positions but it just rarely comes to fruition and you'll get guys that like last year i loved cameron smith he came in second so you bet him to win it like he was what is he i think he was like 90 to one you know yeah um but that would have been nice i put it you know but i mean i've slammed him in in, you know top five finishes stuff like that so i i i I would still put a bet on like uh you know i i do like to spread around but maybe a sprinkle a little bit in the guys that are like 50, 60, 70, not to put too much capital in there, but just a little something, but put, if you're going to bet on those guys, pay, get them, you know, I like kind of sprinkling around those, those bets uh, more so for top five, top threes. When it comes to a winner, um, that guy huge generally comes from the top of the ticket. Um, one of them. So it's really just a matter of which one of those guys do you like, if you're going to put, you know, lay a, take a position on someone, um, and you know you can't you can't say them all because <laughs> I mean I guess you could but <laughs> that's that's not how that's just not that doesn't do anything for anybody. Thanks for the tip. Oh, you like <laughs> Dustin Johnson, just John Rob, Justin Thomas. Boy, uh, I'll get right it, on that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I, I'm I'm going. I'm, I would go Thomas out of that range. I definitely don't like McElroy. I never like McElroy. Another guy, another guy too, like the Jordan Spieth of our era who we want to anoint someone the second that they kind of go on a little bit of a hot streak. And I felt that that happened to McElroy, what, five, six years ago where we thought he was going to be the next it guy and, you know, whatever was dating celebrities and was winning tournaments at the time. And then all of a sudden it kind of disappeared on him a little bit and still a quality golfer, but never, never reached the heights that I think everyone uh, prognosticated and the same for speed at this point. Correct. Correct. And, and, and the other thing about McElroy is that um, his game had, you know, had been really bad. I mean, like where he would, 
he couldn't string together four good rounds. Like he's sustained now for some time where he may have two or three rounds where he's low, you know, low sixties, you know, low round of the day, but the round before that he shot 78 and he's doing, he's shooting, he's having a round where he's like almost every tournament where that just basically puts him out of contention, whether it's the, the first round or the second or the third one of those days, or even the round four, one of those days, he just hasn't been able to do it for some time. I, 14 to one it, it is not good enough for me because people are going to still bet on him because he has the talent for sure. And, you know, he will, he will at some point again, like it's going to happen and it's probably going to happen when you don't least expect it. Right. So you would think now, but um, I just can't like the 14 to one, for, uh, on McElroy for how he's been playing and compared to the rest of the field of those guys at level, like I just can't endorse it. I cannot. And another darling is Xander Schauffele. I'm, I've been contrarian. I've never jumped in on that. He's, he's, I just, uh, it's another guy that I always feel is get, you're just never getting a good value on Schauffele because people just, they put money on him and he's consistently good, but he's finished second in the masters, but, um, I don't know. I just, I haven't, he's never, I mean, he hasn't won a major. He just, I, I, yeah, not, they've got him at, uh, they've got him at 22 to one right now. That's not bad. I, and, I, yeah. So it sort of feels like a little bit that, you know, you mentioned Cameron Smith at 35 to one. I would probably consider that good value. Um, Lee Westwood always seems to be in the top five, top 10. So if you want to roll the dice on a 30 to one, don't I guess bet him to not, win. don't yeah. bet Lee Westwood to win. Yeah, exactly. Right. Bad. And then, you know, and then I've, I've, up top, you know, Justin Thomas, 10 to 1, you know, seems like kind of a better bet than the Spieths and the McElroys right now that are in that same odds area. Yeah. I mean, people would tell you Spieth. And yes, you could argue that for sure. But I don't know. Everyone and their mothers is on Spieth. I cannot put money down knowing like just a few weeks ago, I could have gotten, what, four, five, four or five times the the uh, better odds. He's back, baby. I want to bet him when he looked. That's it. That's exactly. He's the antithesis of what you want to do right now is let me not bet on speed when he's 55 and just wait, wait, wait for it. Now that he's 12, 10. Yeah. Slam him. Forget it's it. what people did to Justin Johnson like three years ago when they were like, here comes Dustin Johnson. And he just didn't make it happen. And now that he is making it, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just the time I, just cause he wins the British open doesn't mean that this is going to translate and he's going to slay the dragon at the masters. I don't know. If Speed wins it, I can live with that because then, okay, you know what? But nine times out of 10, more than that, this is the guy who's like, not doesn't win. I mean, when everybody's on it like this and they, and they make stupid bets, when they, you got to look at the odds. There are two names I do want to throw out to you that I do really do like that are not like that are below that level that we mentioned is, and this is, I love him. I think he's, phenomenal i think he could win anywhere um he's so consistent yeah, he's everything his game is so sound everywhere putting short keeps the ball in the fairway as irons his approach uh, daniel berger mm, interesting hard to see him you know oh is he gonna win i don't know about that but i would bet him to win because i think he's i'm what i'm seeing i i 35 to 1 i i this is a guy, and he's been for a while now. I mean, he's sustained it. He was excellent last season. He's always in the mix. I think he's. I think he's very level-headed. His dad was a professional athlete. Was one of the best tennis players in the world, Jay Berger. Uh, he's got it in the blood. 
Um, I think he, you know, people get slept on, you know, he's just not a sexy name, but he just, he's, he's also like, what is he, he's in his prime, I mean, prime golf is a long prime window, but he's, I just really like Daniel Berger and I like the, at 35 to one, I like him Grant any, anywhere you want to bet him, whatever, fin, I, I like, I, I like putting money on Berger. I would put a, some money on him to win it. Obviously, I don't, I'm not sitting here telling you he's going to win it. I don't expect him to win. You like the value though. I love the value and I love, and I also like, and I, and, and I like Morikawa too. He's another, people like him, but I think right for whatever reason, at least from what I'm seeing, the odds, what, what are you seeing him at? I got him at, I see him at 30. Uh, I got him at 30 to one here on, on the board right next to Finale, Berger, Westwood, you know, Webb Simpson, you know, all in that kind of that area right there. So, and Morikawa is another guy. First of all, he, he did, he already won a major at 23, won one last year, won the U.S. Open. He, um, Arguably, I mean, you can make an argument for several guys, but arguably the best ball striker in the world. Um, just so precise with his irons. He gets it close to the pin a ton. Um, he's got, he's a cool customer. He's clutch. And then in, the, in Augusta, putting, you know, it's the greens, right? Um, he's, a, he's a good putter, um, good enough. And if he's close enough to the pin, he's, He'll, you know, he can knock them down. So he, you don't need him to like be sinking like 50 something odd foot putts because he's so much closer to the pin. And uh, he gets, a, you know, a couple rounds where he gets a hot putter and he's, you know, putting from 10, 12, 15 feet in. Um, this is a guy who could go on a run like, I, you know, Morikawa can win it. And I like him there. I like Morikawa at 30, way more than Speed at 10. Or Kepka, who hasn't played 18 holes. And God knows when, and now he's supposed to play four straight rounds, at twenty-five to one, and yeah. win the Masters. And uh, good luck and good night. Or you know what I mean? Shame. It's a shame with Kepka because I've always, I mean, I've been a huge Kepka proponent. Oh yeah, he he's got the talent. He's just hurt. You know, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes oh, it's just amazing. the timing doesn't match up with, you know, with these majors, and that's how it goes. You know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, like like we would say is, with the injury, you would hope that okay, if if I'm betting Kepka at this situation, there's a window there where I may love him, but I would need that his odds to be suppressed to a certain point. Like if that injury suppresses it to like, if you, if I could get Kepka at 30, 35, like I'll be all over it. Yes. Take my chances there. Cause if he doesn't make the cut and he just can't go, Oh, well, but but I don't think he's there yet. What is he? Twenty five right now. He's at twenty five. So any other tournament, right? Typically, you would think he'd be in that maybe ten to fifteen to one area. Oh, it's just because sure. he's Brooks Brooks Kepka. Yeah. But because of this injury, it only goes to twenty five. I'm right there with you. Just the reports that you've read of, like he's going to try and play nine holes every day leading up to the Masters, so he can play. 18, you know, four rounds in a row to only 25 to one odds. Now, if you're telling me if you were getting a player of Kepka's uh, caliber at, you mentioned the 35 to one, who cares? Throw sprinkle a little something on there because you sure. just can't, you know, it's almost just like getting, you know, any NBA all-star ones, an ace pitcher at a particular kind of value because he's hurt or whatever. That'd yeah. be the way to go. But 25 to one, I don't know. That just doesn't, that doesn't get me, that doesn't get me going. It's not quite there. I almost want to, I would give it a very lukewarm, I guess I'll, I'll, if I were to endorse, I would say overall, I just the slightest modicum of, okay, 25, a little bit. Okay. I'm okay with it. And that's only because 
when yes. you hand over the money, are you still holding I, on to the? Are you still holding on to the cash as they're trying to take it, and you're having that little wrestling? It, okay, go go go, take it. Okay, go you, ahead. No, because you you're you're not you're not you, you can't but you're not going to buy twenty some odd different guys in the field, right? You got to take you know you got to pick for sure a handful and then like stake your uh, claim. So that's why like if he if he's like so close. Kepka, one thing that does give me the 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 optimism that gives me that slight endorsement is that. Just before he went down, and it's only been what I think not even a month or maybe a month, yeah, or we got four or five weeks, uh, top, something like that. Yeah, he was he what would he 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 just come in second, I want to say. He had like so, and, and uh, he he was he just he was playing well, he just for a I mean, in a very short window, but he was playing like he was at his it looked like he was in form, and then suddenly he's got this knee thing, so. But so if he wasn't playing, you know, if he wasn't in like great form right before it, I couldn't touch this. The fact that he was in good form right before it makes it where 25, maybe, maybe. But I'd really like to see it to get to 30. Yeah, I just, I just have questions. I just have questions about it. Yeah, I'd have questions. You know, Saturday's moving day. It'd be his third round by then. Yeah. How's that knee feeling at that point? Can he play the type of golf that it probably will take to get him if he's not within four or five shots of the lead, can he at least get himself in there into that final group into Sunday? That's probably where I would say that's the separator. And that's where I would question whether the knee would hold up during that time. Yeah, I know. And this is probably me just being uh, naive or in fact, I'm not a professional golfer and I, I, I love golf, but I'm not a pro uh, by any means. Um, it's like, and this is probably just ignorant of me to think, but like, I always come back to when it comes to golf, it's like a knee injury, like, like how how difficult to be to like plow through like you just, you just stand over the ball i understand you know the hips and all that stuff but like if it were football or baseball or basketball i mean it, it, it can, it's really like my knee hurts can you putt you just, you just say right yes you, i think but <laughs> yeah, yeah. able to you got to sink this putt his knee's bothering him okay like it's probably just me just not knowing Cause I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I'm competing on that level anywhere near it. So I don't, the slightest little thing, of course, can throw you off, I guess, but I don't know. I just hold on to that. Maybe that's just cause I'm biased to like, want to like, be like, give me reasons to get to like bet on Kepka. But let's be honest, the safe, the, it's probably not a, a wise investment to bet him to win it. Not at 25, probably not even at 35, but. God saying, thank you so much for joining the pod, yeah. my friend. Really great time talking Mercedes, talking Masters with you, talking Southside White Sox baseball. They're going to be on the West Coast for a little bit, but hopefully they'll be on the South Side on 35th pretty soon and hopefully winning some games by then. Scott, thank you so much for joining the pod, my friend, and I hope you can come back and do it again soon. Oh, thanks. I, I loved it. I, thank you for having me. really appreciate it. And um, yeah, go White Sox. <laughs> yeah, my, my pleasure, my friend. Today's episode of Believe in Betting Chicago is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Make sure you head to the website because you're going to get 50% off the uh, bonus off your first deposit and free sign up too as well. So make sure you check that out. Thank you so much for listening to this pod. My name is Joey Christopoulos. We got more pods coming up this week. So hopefully you can check those out too as well. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. We will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.